I think it's really hard to please every single person in the world. And I think whatever art that you're trying to create, whatever voice that you have, whatever it is that you're trying to convey, you have to realize that there are people that are going to watch what you've done and critique it. And so I think when it comes to that, when it comes to you bearing the burden of everyone's like oppression and erasure, I think it's it's really important that you just write from yourself. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host Rai and each week I bring you a guest from the creative industry and we discuss all things life and culture all while sipping and sipping some hot chai. Now if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible or wherever you stream your podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast and share it on your stories on social and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall just shares the love. Anywho, without further ado, let's welcome into our ears, into our lives, into our bedrooms. I don't know why I wanted to say that, but that's where I was going. That's what happens when you don't script things. Let's welcome. Let's warm up our cuppers. By the way, let me know what cuppa you're sipping to as you listen to this episode. Tag us on your stories, as I said before. And let's welcome for the third bloody time, actor, broadcaster, writer, Mimshake, as well as his co-star in the upcoming film, What's Love Got To Do With It? Actually, it's already released. It's in cinemas and theatres now. Actor, writer, Iman Bujalwa. So I like to start the show with a little bit of a game. It's a game called Five Second Rule. So in five seconds, you basically get to list three things, say three things, sing three things, do three things. But you literally have five seconds to do it. So we'll do we'll do a quick one. So Iman, you played Linda in Lemon House Theatre's Double Bill Night on a play called at the Bunker Theatre in a piece called Different Shades, Different Sand. Different sand. Yeah, that's it. Now, Linda is busy partying and pulling pints in the local pub whilst her sister, Amira, prays five times a day and takes care of the house and pays the bill. So with that in mind, it's the morning of your rent day. Your landlord is knocking at your door. But you got three reasons why this person will let you go. In five seconds, list those three things, okay? Use your imagination. Go. I'm cute. I I can sing and I can dance. I can't. <laughs> but your landlord's gonna let you go because you're cute, sing and dance. Yeah. <laughs> this is a performing artist landlord, which I want to be a part of. All right, Mim. Yeah. Your first short was called Daytimer, where you played Z, and the film is about a young boy that gives uh, school a go and home and slip to attend his first ta- daytime rave. Correct? Yeah, correct. Directed by Riz Ahmed. There you go. So with that in mind, list three times you've bunked school and what for? Go. Okay. I don't think I've bunked school three times, but I have bunked school once. Mm. And the reason why I remember the once. God, your five seconds are gone. Sorry, I keep answering it like it's an answer. I'm not good at this game. What was your one thing where you bunked school for quickly? We, I just didn't. I think it was PE. And when I was in school, I was really fat. So I didn't really like working out. And then some of my friends said, we're going to bunk. And then we bunked off and went, like, got some sweets from, like, the shop and then went to a park and chilled. Uh. I, thought, I thought we were, like, really rebellious at the time. Bunking school was a big, big, big thing if you'd done it, you know. It's a rite of passage. you got to go through it. Even if you're, like, the good kid, you just got to do it once. Yeah. All right, Iman, you are currently in Guildhall. And as you mentioned, you graduate soon. But as part of being at Guildhall, you also attended and were a part of the National Youth Theatre, as well as the Almeida Young Company. So fair to say that you have a lot of acting experience, right? A little yeah? bit. <laughs> yeah. So with that in mind, put yourself in your fellow Guildhall alumni face. Okay, you are embodying them. You will speak like them. You are them. Ewan McGregor walks into Aldi, okay? Their their self-checkout is not working. What are three things they will say right there and then? Go. Um, Don't make me wait. I'm important. I really want my eggs. (laughs) I wanted you to do, by the way, an accent. Also, I didn't realize Lily James, you know, from the film, is in it as well. I didn't realize she also went to Guildhall. Yeah, she did. She did. We had a good chat about it. I was just going to say, did y'all have a good chat about that? Yeah. Cute, cute. All right, Mims is back to you. And this is going to be a big question because I wanted to show how much research I've done. You've done, you've already impressed me with the two questions that you've done, you know, genuinely. Listen, I wanted to impress, I did like the broadcaster because I was like nervous. So this is going to be on that. So mind my mumble and let's go. So on the podcast, 
the mainstream. You and the host talk about the importance of good media teachers and how good teachers in general nourish and challenge young people. P.S. Such a good insightful interview. I'm going to like put that in the thing. Yeah. So good. But um, you guys talk about like your uni, your upbringing, you know, all of the hurdles that you went through from your experience to like producing placement in Radio 1, Asian Network. Um, what fascinated me in that interview was, is it Miss Baptist? Miss Baptist. Miss Baptis, Miss yeah. Baptis, and the acronym that is RAIL, yeah. representation, audience, institution, and language, and how that today still plays a role in your life. Absolutely. Um, so with that in mind, you're doing a TEDx talk, okay, <laughs> titled Representing My Broadcast. Okay, what are three words of wisdom you're going to impart on the youth of today? In five seconds, go. Intersectionality, connectedness, and... Ah! uh, Sorry, I got two. I was able to get two. But bro, that is a very good question. You've done so much research because that was... I was talking about my media studies teacher and if she never introduced media studies in year 10 back in GCSEs, I wouldn't have had this infatuation with working in the media industry. Yeah. It led me to then become an actor. So it's like, yeah, really good question, man. But I also think what you said in that, and if people listen to it, it's like the importance of having good teachers. It really yeah. does come down to that. How, or like just having good support and how they nourish and challenge you. Because as artists, we really are in a fetus space. We really need that. Mm, so yeah. Iman, you, I was watching your show reel. Yeah. And I was also watching the piece that you did, A Fire is Burning. And I was like, which one to quote? Because they're both so good. But I chose your monologue that you do um, because I think it leads to the question really good. So your line in your monologue is, is this some sort of manipulation tactic you learned on some fucking incel Reddit forum? God, this is the problem with guys like you. I tell you I'm sick and you dismiss my experience. Then you gaslight me. Tell me how to feel all because I don't meet your expectations. Such a good piece. So this three times you have gaslit somebody else. Go! No, I don't gaslight. I'm a very good person. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? (laughs) (laughs) anyone who says they're a very good person is not always the very good person Mm -mm. (laughs) no 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 i'm not like that but i'm I'm just i'm I'm joking i'm joking no no i know i know no i don't i want to know you have gaslight somebody i gaslight all the time you can't tell me you haven't gaslight no way i you know what i don't gaslight i think i think that's a really like that's i don't know i'm just a big believer in like trying not to be manipulative just because like it can go really like it can get very dark but of course I'm naughty (laughs) well ladies gentlemen and all those in between that is the end of five second rule so you can breathe we're gonna start with this because I think it's a very intriguing space to start off but I wanted to know this two-parted answer to this question which is also multi-layered but what's the process for you guys when you guys get a self-tape and audition And how was that for what's love versus when you get the job and how do you manage that? Like, do you guys unit? Do you guys go on experience? Do you guys, Mm -hmm. how do you handle that entire process? So, yeah. And also, do you guys have any monologues that you guys really go to and how do you pick them? So it's a multi-layered question within that audition versus the actual job itself. And how do you maneuver around that? Yeah, so I think for me, again, a really good question, layered one. So just bear with me whilst I try to get my answer up. But with this job in particular, I remember it was COVID. We was in lockdown. Um, nothing really was happening. I was kind of at a standstill like in my career, not really knowing what's going to happen next. You know, I stopped doing radio, stopped documentaries, etc. And this script came in and I remember it so vividly. Like it was raining outside. I had nothing to do. I was a, and, and the script came in and I read it and I remember just spending a long time just reading the whole thing and then I went away I think I tried to go for a walk and I was, and I was just trying to think, think of oh, if this film gets made like I wonder what it will look like and it's so brown and it's so Pakistani and it's so British it's like all of these things right and then obviously you get the script because you have to do a tape so then I'm like how am I going to do this tape and then I started overthinking how the character should be and I gave a few attempts and then I stopped. And then I remember one day just waking up and I, I was wearing a bathrobe and no joke, no word of a lie. My audition tape for What's Love, I wore a bathrobe, wearing a black t-shirt, just because I felt like the character needed to just be comfortable. And I just, 
yeah, just recorded the tape and sent it in. And then I remember coming back and I was with brunch. I was at brunch with my auntie and my agent rang me and said, oh, they've offered you the part. And I was just like, wow, that is absolutely crazy. But the second point of your question in, in, compa in comparison to then going on set, my brain goes into like image overload. So like I'll go onto set and like look at all the, all the scenes and the set and I'm trying to put it together in my head. So trying to think, mm -hmm. how will I be positioned within that? But I think when we were together, we, we like I remember talking, we spoke a lot like outside the trailer, like we'd have a, like, a lot of conversations with one another. But I don't think we ever prepped how it was going to go when we actually filmed. We just let it naturally, just whatever comes out, comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's like, that's my whole process. I think, yeah, really, I'll answer in reverse, just to go off of what Mim said. Like, I think with Yasmin and Farouk, because they're not so dissimilar from ourselves, like, like when I was approaching Yasmin, like she's very different to me, but like there is a universe in which I could have been like Yasmin. I could have got an arranged marriage. I could be married right now. And I just thought like it was it was really easy to just go off of each other, I think. Yeah. And to kind of just like be connected with your scene partner and just bounce off of whatever's happening in the moment. Like I have we had screen classes at Guildhall. Um, I'm going to keep plugging Guildhall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you know she's a trained actor? And the but yeah, anyway, the screen actor was like the screen teacher was like with screen, like the most exciting moments are when the scene is becoming and you're in a liminal space where you don't quite know, you haven't pre-planned, you're not in control. It's just fizzing and it's bubbling and it's happening. And it's the moment and it's nothing before and it's nothing after. It's just like whatever happens between action and cut. So yeah, and then in terms of getting, getting the part. So I was, I was in my first term of drama school in my first year. Um, I just signed with my agent, my my agent at the time. And they I, they sent this tape through and I was really busy with drama school. And I was a bit like, I don't know. I, I think I have this, com this, is, this is getting a bit too deep, but I have this complex where I feel like I don't look Asian. And like, I think most people would probably, probably say that I do look more like, North African than I do Asian. So I saw that it was a Pakistani character and I am half Pakistani, but I was like, yeah, I won't get it. And I think maybe that allowed me to like be really easy with it. So I think like similarly to how I approached the role, I approached the tape in the same way. I was just like, I'm just gonna have fun with it and play with it. So I got, I didn't even do the tape with my brother. I just got my brother to record the lines. And then I like locked myself in my room and was, and I was like, this is a really great scene. It's really funny. It's really cute. Um, the old version of the scene had like had like a reference to both Yasmin and Farouk liking glob jamans. So I just like played around with the comedy of it. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a really fun tape, actually. I think it's maybe my favorite tape. Yeah. It's yeah. Done. yeah. It's definitely many... my favorite tape as well. Sorry. Just to... No, no, no. How yeah. many takes do you guys do in self tapes? Because I was recently listening to a couple of podcasts and people are like, three tapes and I'm done because if I've done my journey and if I've done like you know how you said you walked in with your bathrobe and if I've created the world if I do more than three takes I'll start analyzing absolutely that happens to me so much even to this day I will overthink and overanalyze oh but the character could do it like this or the character could do it like that or if the lines are delivered to me in this way I know I will react in this way so it's very much, it's like, it's like this thing that I've, I've read somewhere called like analysis paralysis. So it's mm. like you analyze too much of what you're doing. And what I'm now learning is to just let go of all the analysis and just try and give your interpretation and then forget about it. Cause then another one will come in and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to do it again. So I'm trying to lean into that, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. I think similarly again like through trial and error I've just learned to take each tape as standalone and as like an opportunity to do a piece of work and to explore another world and so I think the best tapes I've done are when I've just gone off my instincts and I've really not to the point where I'm playing myself but like you you very much connect with the essence of you and you 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 use that to inform your interpretation of a character well, switching gears now, because I'm conscious of time and I want to do some other stuff as well. I'm interested to also know that I didn't realize the the I call people who create work for like writing, 
directing, producing and things like that, creator of opportunities, because you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for people around you. Iman, I didn't know that you got into the channel for screenwriting and yeah. you've done like a couple of stuff with it, where we are, Binte, uh, Binte in Ban- Bin Laden. And yeah. then I didn't realize that you also did Mim, the spoken word piece within your, I thought it was like just a thing that you revived or like it was pre-written or something like that in your documentary, Finding Dad. And then yeah. I knew you did spoken word for the Bush and a couple of other venues, but I wanted to know the the challenges one faces when you're creating work, when you are the creator of opportunities, let's say. So the challenges and joys of that, as well as um, what you bring from your, like, let's say you're broadcasting into the writing space or what you bring from acting into writing or vice versa. Yeah, so I always like to start on a positive. So the joys is... It's one of the best feelings in the world if I think if you're an emotional in- individual, and I know I am like heightenedly emotional, whether it's emotional intelligence or just an emotional being, because creativity obviously comes from emotions at the end of the day, right? So mm-hmm. when you're writing, you're conveying emotions. So for me, getting something out like through my spoken word poetry like letter to my mother for example when I in real life I didn't have the confidence to speak to my mom about certain things I was able to cathartically express and create a video and put it out there and people now connect with it because it's a piece of art that they can relate to um you give opportunities to people who have like starred in the video the videographer who comes and shoots it you give them an opportunity by paying them money to be part of a creative vision so once it's out and people connect with it, it brings you joy. The challenges obviously are, it's so taxing on the brain in a sense of, it's like you've created this thing, you've written this thing, but you can't see it out yet. Like it's not there, it's not a tangible thing. So that for me is very challenging because it's like, oh, this thing's inside me. It's like a baby and I need to get it out, but it's just not coming out yet. But when it does, it's it's like a like a breath of fresh air. And you can like kind of breathe a bit more, if that makes sense. That's beautiful. I love that. That was really special. Thanks for sharing that, Mim. Mm. No, you're welcome. Um, I think for me, from as most actors, I started writing because I didn't, I wanted to write roles for myself that aren't currently there. Like I'd, like I would, I just started acting. I just got into National Youth Theatre and the Arcola Young Company and I'd like walk around with my headphones in like with with this new skill I was learning, listening to like powerful music and being like, oh, I could play like Cleopatra or something. And like, obviously no one's sitting there like, hmm, there's a brown girl in South London that I could write Cleopatra for. So that's why I started writing because I was like, I need to write roles for myself that are categorically not there. But then I think as my acting career and my writing career has progressed, writing career, I don't actually have a writing career yet. You do but- have a writing career, stop it. <laughs> but like getting into channel four screenwriting I think maybe my biggest takeaway from like writing the tv pilot that I wrote on that is that like at the end of the day it's like it's like the buzzword is representation like you once you start writing roles for more than just you and even when you are writing for just yourself you are representing a larger pool of like for, for, for me predominantly brown people and I think like the pilot I wrote was very much like centered around like all the different nuances of brown muslim queer experience Mm. and i think like that's like a heavy like it's like heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of thing because it's like you're never going to get it right and your idea of true representation is not you know someone else's idea of true representation so i think like i think what i've learned most during my writing journey is like a breadth of stories is what's important. Like for me, writing writing a story about a brown woman that has nothing to do about her being brown would be amazing. That's something I wanna see. But then someone else would wanna see a story tackling like brown brown experience. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so nuanced and it's so rich. And I'm, I don't know, I think being an actor writer, I'm really excited for the future. I think there is so much being made, including What's Love that is really gonna like test the boundaries of what mainstream media is. Interested to know, Mim, um, I think your missus asked this question when we were at the Kavithapuri Q&A situation. Mm. Um, and I, I find this sometimes when I'm doing writing, um, 
there's a barrier how to safeguard yourself especially when you did finding my uh, finding my dad or is it finding dad sorry from uh, finding that finding dad sorry that's all right um how do you safeguard yourself from the experience versus challenging the experience and also balance the conscious unconscious biasness that you have in order to tell the story so iman how you were mentioning in regards to the nuances of being brown um and how there are so many things to tackle versus what you want to so like how do you balance all of those things when you guys are doing those things like directing creating writing yeah um it's a really good question and I, and I wish I was more qualified to answer the, the question <laughs> because no, but what, no 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 but listen this what I mean by that is I have written my own screenplays I've written two after watching like master classes reading tons of scripts and I've not been able to get them in front of the right people due to whatever reasons. The BFI helped me in my first one that, I, um, that I've been working on. But because I haven't actually gone through with making it completed in the sense of it being a tangible product in, in the end, I don't feel I am qualified enough to speak on that answer yet. But, but you've done I spoken word. You've yeah. done a lot of, yeah. Yeah, smaller stuff, right? Like, and for that, <laughs> and for that it is... It does, it does have the same kind of, yeah, issues with it. Um, but because I haven't, I, I haven't done it fully from the level of like a film like What's Love, which mm-hmm. is backed by a studio example, it's a bit hard. But what I would say is I think it's really hard to please every single person in the world. And I think whatever art that you're trying to create, whatever voice that you have, whatever it is that you're trying to convey, you have to realize that there are people that are going to watch what you've done and critique it the same way that there are people that are going to critique this film. Because yeah. it, it might not be the true representation that they want to see on screen, or it might not be as accurate as uh, that. So I've actually made peace with the fact that whatever it is I'm working on as a writer creative is come from somewhere. I've got it on mm. the page. I want to now create it. And once I've let it out, it's gone. Like people can critique it have their biases associated to it, not like it, applaud it, but you've just put something out in the world that people can connect with at the end of the day. So your job as a creator is kind of, it's kind of done. I think you can only really write from the experiences, not always, because there are so many writers that write from different experiences that aren't their own. But I think in terms of representation, because there is so little of it, it feels like you are the sole spirit spokesperson for an entire community or multiple communities and so I think when it comes to that when it comes to you bearing the burden of everyone's like oppression and erasure I think it's it's really important that you just write from yourself and you you write from the experiences that are that are like that you're struggling with and that are perhaps like oppressing you like for example I I can never find the balance between like being queer and being Muslim, for example. Like, I feel like they're both so very mutually exclusive to so many people. Um, And so like, if I were to write something, in fact, I have written something about being queer and Muslim, like it's gonna offend someone. It's either Mm. gonna offend the queer community or it's gonna offend the Muslims. And like, like that is an inevitability, but I think the truth of that will get to the people that it needs to get to and it and like I think by you taking that risk and as Michaela Cole says like writing the tale that scares you someone is going to feel seen and maybe if it's one in a billion that feels seen by it then maybe that's enough for you and and you've done your job by making one person feel less alone three things about what's love that didn't make the cut or were behind the scenes, or let's say like in the promo of it that nobody knows about, i.e. the audiences, that, you know, you're just like, oh man. Or you could list three joyful or three challenging things about the film. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind for me is on the last day when everyone, when we finished filming, I got these heart-shaped cookies made. Um, They were like red and white, and it said, what's love on them? And I gave them to like all the cast and the crew to like eat just as a token of like appreciation, which one of my uh, friends, girlfriends got made and they were absolutely beautiful. That's... Um, I'm waiting for mine, ma'am. Just... <laughs> Bro, <laughs> this was two years ago. If I saved you one, it would have been moldy right now. It's okay. Just you can have one made. Iman and I will definitely, you know, 
share it send one to <laughs> anthony too if you could that'll be great yeah all right I'll, all of I'll, us I'll, I'll think of that i'll try to get that iman do you want to go before, whilst i think of another one because i can't think straight away. yeah i've got loads um the dance that you guys choreographed at our mandy that that didn't make the cut right that was beautiful. I I'm so like I'm I'm quite sad that that didn't make the cut. It was beautiful, a beautiful dance. It made me cry. Second, oh, I did a little bit of dancing in the the wedding scene in Pakistan. Gutted that didn't make the cut. I I worked really hard on that. I was definitely out of time though, so that is probably why. I didn't make the cut. <laughs> you were not out of time. You were not out of time. <laughs> I think I, I have I have footage which I want to release in Studio Canal. If you could respond to my emails and let me release <laughs> it, that'll be grand. <laughs> and the release third the footage. Thing, a third thing. Okay, this is maybe a challenge, but like it was my first acting job ever, and just being around like so many of my childhood heroes was a bit much. Like. Like having chats with Emma Thompson, like uh, like in between takes, was like, what is my life? Like, like no one really talks about it because you have to be very low key and very respectful and very professional. But I'm like, Emma, you're a legend, and you're chatting to me like I'm your pal. Like it was, it was beautiful, challenging, but also like a joy and yeah, beautiful. Um, something else that I thought of my character Farouk Khan. Um, he was. Uh, they did plan for him to wear glasses. But oh, yeah. I remember being in the trailer and I put the glasses on and no word of a lie. I was like, I don't think this is going to suit Farouk. Like, Wait, you said that or like it, well, it was I, I don't know if I said it, but I just didn't wear the glasses because oh. they weren't, they just weren't. I don't know, man. They just are we talking grandpa glasses or like you know the glasses that are like a little slightly colored or something? No, no, they were like glasses that like like smart reading glasses. They they were just like rectangle glasses that were clear that didn't end up uh, making it. Uh, yeah, that's literally just come back as a memory. Oh. Wow, I would have. Uh, if there's a picture of it, I think you should share it from the trailers or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I might, I might, I might have one. Yeah, I might have one. I need to go through and check. All right, people, we're gonna go into rapid responses. So, who wants to go first quickly? Okay. You'll go first. All right. Yes. Some are gonna go deep, and then we're gonna go into games. Okay. So we're okay. gonna start deep, then we're gonna go into games. Um, okay. From a behind the scenes perspective, in terms of a writer, interested to know there's a lot of conversation that I sometimes have with authenticity versus representation. So as a writer and an actor, what's your thought on authenticity? So like, let's say if it's a Bengali trans role, it should go to a Bengali trans person versus the overall story, because there are sometimes casting directors mm -hmm. or directors that'll be like, we just couldn't find the right person. So the story takes precedence. Oh, it's a very tricky one. Um, you got like oh, quick seconds, quick seconds. Quick seconds, I can't do quick seconds for this. Oh no, that's far too nuanced for me to give like a reductive response to, I think. Leh. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Leh. Yeah, sorry. It's okay, favorite part of the job. Money, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's honest, it's honest. It's no, honest. but it is money when you get paid, when you get paid. You're paid. You're paid. Yeah. You're paid. Yeah. Can I change my answer to the art, the craft? Oh, no, that's, go that's with the, money. I think go with money. It's the, like it is true. If like you talk to a banker and they're getting paid 150k, they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, the work. Nah, <laughs> uh, thoughts on South the, the South Asian entertainment sector and the industry at large. Three things it could do with, and three things it could do without. Three things it can do with me in more things. Ooh. Uh, more breadth of storytelling, more diverse stories, more darker shades, darker shades of South Asian uh, actors on screen, actors, actresses, and in between, everyone in between on screen. Three things it can do without uh, terrorists, um, but then equally, no, no, never mind. Uh, terrorists, stereotype, and bad accents. Oh, I do love them. I do love them. They make for good. <laughs> it's interesting you said stereotyping because that is my next question. What is your thought on being stereotyped or being boxed by the industry, either as an uh, a creative overall? So whether you're an actor, whether you are a writer, whether you're a director, sometimes, you know, all those things. I loathe it. I think about it every day and it makes me so angry. Like I'm currently looking for a new agent 
And I'm just like, I will not sign with someone until they, until I am certain that they can see me as me and not as token brown best friend, number five. Wow, wow, wow. Thoughts on the digital space and its structure within the artist's life, how um, it's a pro and it's a con. Pro, it's really you, it can be really creative really exciting like instagram alone like pictures are so cool like and it's such a great creative outlet tiktok as well con people can be mean stop being mean stop spreading hate y'all everyone is trying their best busy bodies um what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self if you look in that mirror right now where the doll face is if you looked in the mirror right now what words of wisdom would you give to yourself today never undervalue yourself you are more than you are more than what your insecurities say you are and you're really fucking talented and um, and do the work keep learning and win an oscar oh oh um peaks and valleys is a question i ask everybody which is like a peak is a high point of your personal professional life what was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your personal or professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Okay, I'll start with the peak. Start with the positive, like Mim said. Um, yeah, so the positive for me is happening right now. So I'm in a play called Dance Nation, which is our final year, one of our final year shows at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And I'm playing Amina, who's like the star dancer. And again, to go off of the like box stereotype of like, how I'm seen I don't think I'm ever seen as like the star of anything like I'm always the like dorky awkward best friend I'm never like the ambitious driven powerful person which I think is a lot of my personality anyway but I'm just not seen that way so I think playing a character like a, a brown character like that is gorgeous and I get to do more dancing which I am again dreadfully out of time with but um yes I will take classes and I will be um amazing dancer one day but yeah that's a peak and a valley you know what I think it's the valleys are the days where you don't believe in yourself mm. and where it's like like yeah fine the world doesn't believe the world doesn't believe in you or like you get like a hundred rejections or you don't get the part you want or a studio turns your film down or whatever but I think it's the days where you're like actually Iman is shit and you can't do sorry can I swear yeah, fucking swear yeah, okay. all the time. Imani's shit and you can't do this. Though those those are the days that suck. But then I think the strength is coming back from that. And um yeah, you learn you learn most from the valleys than you do the peaks, which is whatever. Yeah. Ex experience versus education, because you're in education right now. What would you say would be your thoughts of somebody coming into the industry? And what would be a one thing that you wish somebody would have told you that you're going to impart on somebody else? Wow. Oh, beautiful question. Integrity. Stay true to who you are. Like take jobs if you need money. Yeah. But like always, always have a critical eye on everything you do. Stay positive, stay humble, stay grounded. But that critical eye will 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 help you in tune with your artistic integrity. And that will take that. That is worth everything. Got it. And education versus experience of, as an entry point into the industry. Uh, Isn't you... experience education though? Um, some people, like, as in, like, some people don't go in terms of education to, like, drama yeah. school or anything like that. Like, if I'm correct mm -hmm. in saying, Mim, you did uh, you did everything in terms of broadcasting, right? And then you went yeah. to Actors Temple and did classes. But your entry point into the industry was more experience versus education? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. My education was in, like, journalism and, like, communications but then the experience that I gained myself through that uh, my agency have like acting classes. I went to them and then I trained independently at the Actors Temple. That was all experience. Yeah. So yeah, say it was a bit of both. What, where, where do you both stand on that? Would you say? You go, yeah. I'm sorry. All right. I'd say okay. that education is important. Obviously, um, it allows you to like critically think and put together like a point of view, depending on what it is that you're learning. But I think experience is key. I think I've learned a lot more being on a job um, and literally immersing myself in the experience than I will like learning and writing down and revising how to act or how to write. So yeah, I'd say experience over education. If it is related to the creative industries and wanting a job as a, like a performer or a writer or a director, experience is absolutely valuable. I think, yeah, education can only get you so far, but I would go education because 
I was really unsure about going to drama school. I wanted, I already had an agent. I wanted to just get working. But what I've learned these three years at Guildhall has been invaluable. And I think the ability to expand your mind and like Mim said, like your ability to think and your critical awareness of what your art is and what your craft is, is invaluable. And I think within, within I can only speak for Guildhall, but within the training, we've had so many chances to act, to perform, whether it's in-house or it is to a public audience. So you are, it is a very much a vocational training and you are, you are working basically mm. whilst you're studying. And I think like, if I were to go back to that Iman three years ago, that was unsure about drama school. Like I would be like, don't like it. It's the best thing I've ever done. It's been uh, the hardest thing I've ever done. But like, like there's this quote from Einstein that I am always spouting, but it's like, once you stretch, I'm paraphrasing terribly, oh, but like once you, once you stretch the dimensions of your mind, they can never go back to its original form. And I think mm. knowledge is everything. Knowledge is power. And I think no one can take away what you've learned Absolutely. and the application of what you've learned. Do you, do you mind if I ask you a question, Iman? Yeah. You, you yeah. Know, if, you know, because you're like, early on and you're, and you're studying, the experience that you got on What's Love, how does that compare to what you've learned, like from where you're studying? Is, yeah. what, like, is, it, is one better than the other or are they both like the same? You better, I you better ask that question. That's a great ask question. that question. I think they've beautifully gone hand in hand. Well, because obviously I did What's Love when I was very early into my training. And so I think nothing can take away the value of being on a set, like understanding the logistics and the pressures and the time constraints of being on set, the sensory overload that is that is working on a set. And the fact that, to be honest, your your job, your lines, your scene are a very small part of the whole ensemble, ensemble of yeah. what it is to be on a set. And I think a screen acting class can't teach you that. So having that experience and then going into screen acting classes like at the end of my first year was was really invaluable. And I was very much able able to to kind of learn the craft of screen acting in the classes. And then go away and be like, ah, that's what I would have done different if I were doing What's Love Now. So if I did, like, okay. we did a reshoot. We did a reshoot, didn't we, of our We scene. did, yeah, we did. Yeah, and I, I think after, I was like in my second year of, of drama school by then. And I felt so much more equipped to deal with the acting side and so much more present with the world around me um, to the point where it was like, I felt like a, a human, like I could be a human with everyone else with like all the different departments. And then that wouldn't detract away from the performance that would only enhance it. Okay. So I think like if you're like a method actor and you shut off to the world then like you're not really portraying humanity in, in a way that is em empathic in the way that it should be. No, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting answer. Because right. I've not had that drama school background, I find it fascinating. That's why I just wanted to ask the question because I'm like, had I have gone to drama school, what, how differently would I have been equipped when entering the industry? That's my curiosity just always takes me there. Yeah. Mim, what, yes. If the question was turned to you in terms of experience, what you learned in that from taking from your education of all of the projects that you've done, what would your answer be? Yeah, it's an interesting question when you, when you relate it to my background because my education was studying journalism and news and media so I learned a lot about like video production and editing and copywriting and stuff like that so for me now then approaching the acting industry and seeing projects made is like wow okay I've seen how I've put together news reports I've put together like radio documentaries I've put together my own documentary but now this is a film but it at the end of the day, how I link all of them is storytelling, because throughout all of those mediums that I've just said, they're all stories that are being presented, whether that's in a news, in a podcast, in a doc, in a film, they're all stories. So that's how I've now made sense of all the things and how I connect them. But in answer to the question, yeah, I think it's I think it's different. Um, I was reading recently that like there are quite a few successful A-list actors who studied journalism and communications mm. as part of their undergraduate degree. So Brad Pitt, for example, is an actor who actually studied, um, I think, communications or journalism. 
Denzel Washington, another one, was an actor who actually studied journalism and communications. And then they they talk about how they fell into uh, becoming an actor and being part of that. So I'm not. This is not me trying to say like I'm on I'm I'm on that level or whatever. But I'm just making sense of like that's there's something maybe in like the human psyche or whatever that attracts people to stories. And I know that's definitely within me. Um. So my experience in like I say yeah, journalism and media has probably helped get me to be a storyteller now. All right, um, let's ask you the rapid questions and then we'll do a quick little game. Your thoughts on authenticity versus the story, which I asked Iman as well. Do you think it's too quick to answer? Can you do a quick answer in regards to a that? A quick answer, authenticity. And they, I think try to keep it as authentic as you can, man. Um, but if there are logistical things that can't allow you to do it, then by all means, you have to make a logical decision and do it but if your intention I think it's all about intention if your intention <laughs> is I am going to cast somebody who is darker skinned uh South Asian and you try and you just can't find a great person to do it then go for something else but if your intention is there to do it then 100% go for it yeah I'd say authenticity favorite part of the job when the product or the the story that you've been able to collaborate on collectively finally gets a reception and can be watched by everyone else to enjoy it. Thoughts on the South Asian entertainment or the industry at large and three things it could do with and without. We need to be able to get given funding for people to make their projects. Number one, we need more people to creatively collaborate and trust in our ideas in the same Mm -hmm. way that they trust in people's ideas who are not South Asian Um, or Muslim or Pakistani and take a risk with our stories things that it can be changed with it's not a competition anymore we don't need to compete with one another there's room what's love should be an example that there is room for so many people to get given opportunities and breathe and work creatively there's no and we've got we've moved away from the time where there's one person doing the one thing like Mm. there's now so many people doing different things that everybody should be respected for being their own individual so yeah that's the one that's the, the things i change and those are the things i yeah what would i keep yeah the i'd keep the passion that we have like late at tape for example at the victoria and albert museum like so many people got together there and just had an amazing time but that was south asian unity coming together and just enjoying the space that they're creating yeah so that community aspect i'd keep but i'd hope that we can get given opportunities based on our writing talent just as much as our acting talent as well thoughts on being boxed or stereotyped uh, i hate it um <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's... no that's good a thoughts on the digital space and the structure it pays in the creative and artist life pros and cons of it pro is you can make something you can put it out and it's watched by so many people cons mm. The cons are the dopamine addiction that you get from scrolling social media and your brain telling you that you need gratification all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to to consciously like delay that gratification. Otherwise you go psycho. Yeah. like Agreeing with that as I tap away. That's the, that's the pro and the con, man. Yeah. Peaks and valleys, a high point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A low point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? Peak was making my documentary, Finding Dad, uh, getting that like really well received, receiving messages from fatherless kids, being like, yo, I grew up without a dad. That story resonated with me, touched me a lot. Thank you for making it. I'm putting What's Love up there as a joint peak, (laughs) just because it has to be a joint mountaintop, yeah? Yeah. Um, Two peaks, yeah, just being part of this project. Low, uh, being called into a radio station and saying that I can't broadcast on the station anymore because I don't speak about Love Island in the mornings. That's a peak and a low right there, bro. I was so low. The, the <laughs> I was man, just like the man called me in and said, yeah, we, you can't carry on broadcasting because you're not speaking about Love Island. I'm like, all right, cool. So you'll find someone else to talk about Love Island. Man. Bloody hell. Words of wisdom you would give to yourself quickly. Uh, me? Um, yeah. Never think that your imagination is terrible. It's the most amazing thing that you have. Keep imagining and keep creating and manifesting your life, bro. That is the philosophical. There should be a book that will be written by you soon. Coming, it's coming, it's coming. Can't wait. All right. Um, the game section is called Super Child, play with Rye. 
wants to go first? It's going to be very rapid. You have to be very rapid. Who wants to go first? Mim, go first. Wow, you threw it onto me just like I that. did. I did. No All right, Mim, like literally remember, fast. Like okay, fast okay. is the key. Okay, the okay. first thing that comes into your head. Okay. If you were a movie, what would the title of that movie be? Original title, go. Uh, Illumination. Yeah, what would the storyline be? Give me a logline for IMDb. Uh, how to Shine Bright. Who would star in it? Give me three actors. Uh, Dev Patel. Aziz Ansari and uh, Riz Ahmed. Good. If there was a title song of the film, how would it go in five, four, three, two, one? Sing it. Shine bright like Manover. Shine bright <laughs> like Manover. Shine bright like Manover. Shine bright like Manover. <laughs> Good. If you were a food, what cuisine would you be? Uh, I would be Indian cuisine. If you would be a dessert, what would you be? I would be English dessert. Fruit. Uh, apple. Clothing item. Trousers. Color. Green. Drink. Uh, mango juice. Flower or plant? What, uh, what, what type would you be? Sunflower. Mm. All right. Have you ever done the following? Have you ever hooked up with a fellow artiste or an admirer? Like a No, never. Have you ever flirted to get ahead? No, never. Have you ever peed while swimming? Yes. Have you ever forgotten <laughs> the words and made it up on spot? No, I don't think so. Okay. Have you ever eaten within a couple of seconds of something dropping on the floor or in the bin and you're just like, oh, have I ever done that? No, I don't think I have. I don't believe in that five second rule. Wow. What would you rather, rich or fame? Ooh. Rich. What would you rather, cookies or cake? Cookies. Critical acclaim or win lots of awards? Critically acclaimed. Netflix or Prime? Mm. Netflix. Apple TV or Disney Plus? Oh, you're moving mad. Disney Plus. <laughs> Fairy tales, mythological tales, or real life stories? Uh, real life stories all day. World peace or equality? Bro, both. If you choose one. You can't, you need you both. choose one. If you need equality for you... world peace. There you go. So you do, you do you see what I'm trying to do? You see? Equality then, yeah, so equality. There you go. Um, Jalebi or Gulab Jamun? Jalebi. All right, this next section is called... Can you improv though? So I'm going to give you three words and you have 60 seconds to do the following. You can choose which one you would rather do in 60 seconds. Spoken word or describe me a film, like sell me a film that you want to make or a short play. Which one would you rather? Spoken words. All right, I'm going to give you the three words and then you have to make a 60 second spoken word piece. Wow, bro, what? This quick? I yeah, this quick. Okay, wait, seconds. no, wait. Can, can we go to Iman and let, get her to do the question? No, 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 no. We have to do it. Come on. It's can you improv though? So the three words are get it in, get it in dusty, chartreuse. What's that mean? You you gotta just put it in. You gotta just put it in. Don't worry about the meaning. Just somehow put it in. Chartreuse or subha. Okay, so subha meaning morning. Yeah. So, but you gotta use subha. You can't use morning now. Well, actually, no, okay. you can. It's your 60 well, You need to give me the meaning for the second word. Chartreuse is a color. What, what, like, if what closest color is it? That's, that's all I'm going to say. You, you got to make it up. Come on. I'm going to put my clock on and you have 60 seconds in five, four, three, two, go. Okay. So I woke up in the morning and in my language, that is suba. I can't turn around and say anything because I like to remember the sunnah. If I can remember the sunnah, then I can make sure that I have to go to Juma. And if I'm going to Juma, that means I'm going for a prayer. So when I'm dressing and getting all my clothes together, I wish that it will be forever. I don't know what to wear. So I think I'll decide to wear Sartreuse t-shirt. Bro, what's the third word? Oh, okay, wait. Uh, the Sartreuse t-shirt. Um, I didn't brush my teeth in the morning, so my teeth actually do hurt. Uh, I'll need to drive my car and get down to Juma, but my car's so rusty. Oh my God, look at my air forces. They're so dusty. Pen. Uh, yeah, this is a poem that I've called Suba in the morning. Yay! Mm. Look at that. Look at I, that. Yeah, I was off the top of my head, bro. I didn't good. know. That, that was, was good. Me. All right, Iman, it's your turn. Are you ready? Oh, ready. If you were a movie, what would the original title of that movie be? Go. Sexy motherfucker. What would the logline, storyline be? Go. A cute girl realizes that she's more powerful than she knows. Three actors who would star in it. Imam Bujalua, Mim Sheikh, Emma Thompson. Fabulous. Give me the title track situation in five, four, three, two, go. Yeah, she was cute, but now she's a sexy motherfucker. Yeah, hey. she was cute, but now she's a sexy motherfucker. It's already a bop. All right. If you were <laughs> in food, what cuisine would you be? Dog paneer. Fruit. Uh, Chinese pear. Dessert. Mm, Glob jamun. Color. Pink. 
clothing item? Uh, Langa. Flower or plant? A rose. Oh, a drink. What drink would you be? Aloe vera juice. Have you ever hooked up with a fellow artiste or admirer? No. Have you ever flirted to get ahead? No. Peed while swimming? Yes. Forgotten words but made it up on the spot? All the time. Eaten within a couple of seconds? Yes. We're not like you, Mim. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rather? Cookies or cake? Cake. Rich or fame? Fame. Oops. Crit- it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Critical acclaim or win awards? Whichever one means my work is most... Just integral. give me one. I don't want that. I give no, me one. No, the work. Whichever one means my, my work is better. None of Which them. would mean that? You oh. give me critical acclaim or win awards quickly. Oscar, Oscar, accolades. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Apple TV or Disney? Disney. Fairy tales, mythological tales, or real life stories? Ooh. Oh, real life stories that have um, magical realism fairy tales in them. That, that ain't the answer. It's real life stories or mythological. <laughs> Which one? Oh, Don't do I love it. Disney so much. Uh, fairy tales. Oh, no, sorry. That's okay. World peace or equality? Both. No, I'm not answering that. Gulabi. That's not true. Mim did. Yeah. Okay, fine. Whichever one is right. World peace would inevitably give rise to equality. There you go. Both of them are right. All right. Mm-hmm. Jalebi or Gulab Jamun? Gulab Jamun. Okay. Can you improv though? I'm going to give you three words and you have to, which one would you rather? Short play, spoken word poem, um, or a film? Film. Okay. You have 60 seconds. Your three words are wondrous. Okay. Ru Afza. What's that? That's a drink. You can. Uh, oh, get... with a uh, rose water. Yeah. yeah. Just say rose water. How about that? Okay. Yeah. And I can crack... say Ru Af. Say it again. Ru Afza. Ru Afza. Ru Afza. Okay. Yeah. If you don't want to, you can say rose water. Uh, no. I'll or... say it. And last word, cracklings. Cracklings. Okay. Wondrous. Ru Afza and cracklings. You are starting your film. You're selling it to Mim and I. We have a million pounds each to give to you. Will we give it to you? Let's see. In five, four, three, two, go. Okay, set the scene. We're in Mughal, India. There is a beautiful young princess who is also intelligent and powerful beyond belief. Um, She lives in this wondrous palace with her siblings and her, her father and her mother who are king and queen, but she is very lonely. And so every night before bed, she goes to the kitchen um, and one of her, one of the servants, the maids, who is like her really good friend, makes her ru avza, and this ru avza is magical. Um, and so she sips it, and she can transform into into anyone, and she can time travel. So she tri- time travels to London to live as a normal girl, just from South London, and, and- she, she, oh my god, she kind of gets crazy, and she eats pork cracklings, Five. and and like she loses herself and her identity, but then she finds it again and she becomes queen at the end oh are we giving the money yeah i mean it's got a good arc there's a good story mm. arc within there it, it changes from the beginning the middle and the end i like the character arc as well but um on this occasion yeah i will grant you the funding hey! all right i need you both to quickly think of a sound for farouk and yasmin a sound just make a sound for Farouk and Yasmin. It's Iman, be, if you could make a sound for Farouk quickly, what would it be? Go. Okay. Farouk's would be bro. Okay. Bro. What would Yasmin's be? I don't know why, but it's there's a lot of laughter in our scenes. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple questions and you're going to make the sound for that. So does that make sense? If I was to be like, who's the trouble one, you would make each other sound. Uh, okay. For our okay. characters, the so, answers are the characters. Yes. Like so. Yes, but make yourself. You are now Yasmin. You are now Farouk. Okay? Okay. 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 Give yourself that. Who is the first one to say sorry? <laughs> All right. Who is the better Potterhead? <laughs> wow. There's a lot of agreeing happening. Who's the better cook? Bro. Bro. <laughs> Who's more romantic? Bro. Bro. Who is the better dancer? <laughs> Who is the better driver? Bro. Who has better fashion? Bro. <laughs> Who do you say, Ma? Me. Yaz. Yaz? All right. And since the movie is called What's Love Got to Do With It? Who said I love you first? Bro. Bro. All right. Now, this is a test of your skill set. I'm going to give you guys lines. And let's see if you remember your lines. Wow. From the film. I this have guy. the script. All right. This is a really good interview, you know. And Trust let's me. let's do this. All right. Let me just get the page up. Ready? This is the scene 
of Farouk and Yasmin. They're sitting together and looking straight at the camera. This is your confessional, basically. Let's see who remembers the next line. I'm going to just feed you into it. But we okay. never spoke. She was on Minda. Who says the next line? And he was on Muzmatch. And she was at a family's wedding? No. Oh, what is it? Iman, keep going. You're right. And he was on Muzmatch. But we never spoke. No. no. Yeah. No. He was on Muzmatch, so we were on different paths. We were on oh, different paths. Geesh. All right. Next line. You say Team Hufflepuff together. Who says the next line? Yasmin. Uh... Iman, what do you say? And we won. No! no, that's before. That's before Team Hufflepuff. It oh. goes, and we won Team Hufflepuff. It's Farouk. And, and I, I said to and myself, I, and then yeah. I said, Oi, iconic line. Yeah. I got to quote the a most amazing poet in the world. Yeah. With this line. And I will never forget this one for the rest of my life. Go on, say it. You, some, um, you wander from room to room looking for the diamond that's already around your own neck. Look at that. Look at that. All right, people, we're going to end the show with two very contradicting things because life is contradicting. Everybody loves a rant, so we're going to do a 30-second rant. But the rule is you have to say bitch don't at the start or at the end of your rant. Has everybody got a rant here? Iman's going first on this one. All okay. right, ready? Okay, let's go. This is Iman, bitch don't. Okay, so my rant is people that don't drink water. Why on earth would you do that to yourself? Hydration is important. If you are an actor and you get up on that stage and you do not drink water, your vocal folds are going to dry up. They are going to fry and you are gonna sound crusty as hell. So you need to be drinking your two liters every day. And people that don't, it's like, man, like, I don't, I don't get Five. it. Bitch, bitch, don't kill my vibe. I wanna stay hydrated, yeah? <laughs> so should you. Good, all right, Mim, you're next. Quickly, ready? Yeah. All In right, three, cool. two, one, go. Bitch, don't make me feel like a victim when I'm in the gym and I'm trying to train and I'm doing bicep curls, but the girls that look at me sometimes make me feel a little bit inferior and sometimes make me feel as if they're checking me out in a way that I don't want to be kind of perved on. Um, I'm not a piece of meat Five. that you can just look at. So please, everyone, keep their eyes to themselves when we're in the gym. They're looking at eye candy. They're looking at eye candy. No, no, listen. Do you know why I said that? The reason why I said that is because there's all these uh, videos going viral on uh, social media about girls being victimized in the gym. And they're saying that guys are creeping them out by looking at them. Oh. So I was like, but that sometimes happens to me, not in a big headed way, but like, I'm not going on social media and being like, oh my God, I feel like so like victimized yeah. right now. Well, I hear they might be feeling like that, but sometimes it happens to guys as well sometimes. Got it. Um, the last question is, I am obsessed with joyfulness this year of being joyful myself and spreading joy to other people. So my question to you is this, what is one thing that you do for yourself that makes you feel joyful? And what is one thing that you do for somebody else that makes them feel joyful? Mm, good question. Very good question. I sip my tea and I, I take it in. So go yeah. for it. Maybe you can go first. Yeah, joyful <laughs> is a, it's a lovely, it's, it's such an amazing emotion, isn't it? Joy. What do I do that makes me feel joy? Like, I'll be real, and it, it don't sound that spectacular, but having time for myself, because I, I, like, I think a lot about different things, right? So even if it's just going down to my local park, which is beautiful, by the way, there's like rivers, there's like when the sun hits the, the river, it makes like this beautiful reflection that's just beautiful to look at. Just going and giving myself time to just breathe and take that sight in is something that brings me a lot of joy just in my day to day because it's so hectic. For someone else, like say like my mum likes watching Bollywood films, uh, Indian films. So like if I watch one with her now that I'm an adult, I know that brings her a lot of joy, even mm -hmm. though I might not want to do it as often as I, I I would like to, when I do get an opportunity to do it, I know that's quite a joyful feeling, yeah. Emma. It's beautiful. Um, someone, joy for myself, I book a room in school, uh, a studio, I blast music and I dance like no one is watching. And just the physical freedom of that is like unbeatable. Uh, things I do for other people, I'm 
currently in my dressing room and I try I haven't done this in a while but you know what this has just reminded me reminded me to do it so thank you um I try and leave all my cast members a little note to say how much I'm proud of them how much they inspire me and how much they're killing it look at both of you okay so I expect a cookie and I expect a note after this so thank you thank you so much for both of that in advance already Well, everyone, that brings us to an end, and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love, because isn't that what we want at the end of the day, some love? Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again, and as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go which means now I must go I own that that is copyrighted and I will sue <laughs> joking have a great one and stay curious till next time <laughs>